everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today is a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop, where she was a Truman Capote Fellow. Her work uh, has appeared in the Paris Review, the Kenyan Review, and other publications. She's also the recipient of a 2019 Penn Robert J. Dow Prize for Emerging Writers. And her novel is called The Comfort of Monsters. And it's very good. I've read it and reviewed it and loved it. Um, it's my pleasure to have with me Willa C. Richards. Hey, Willa, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to you because <laughs> I really did love your book. I thought it was great. Um, and it touches on so many issues. It's like I was looking, listening to an old review I did of the book and trying to, you know, get back in touch with the issues that really stuck out for me. And it was like, wow, I'd forgotten just how <laughs> complex and wonderful this book was. Um, well, thank what, you for saying that. Oh, well, I mean it. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. Um, so tell us about the book and what inspired you to write it. Yeah, so... Um... I started working on the book um, because of a project I was actually working on with my my mother. So my mom is a historic archaeologist. Both my parents are archaeologists, um, but my mother in particular is a historic archaeologist. She works in mostly in cemeteries, um, and her sort of life's project is working in a cemetery in Milwaukee, a pauper cemetery that was run by the city and then sort of forgotten. Um, and then ran into all of these sort of issues with construction and new development where they'd sort of forgotten that these people were buried there. Um, so my mom was tasked with excavating um, these graves and sort of removing them from an area where they were um, in danger of being destroyed. Um, so that's sort of her life's project. And she got a call from a family, um, and I believe this was in 2018, um, asking if she would excavate an area of the cemetery for them because they believed that um, their loved one was buried there, um, a recent burial, not a historic burial. Um, and 
the um, the reason that they believe this was based on a tip from a psychic. Um, and she did agree to work with them to excavate the area where they believed um, this woman, who it was a young woman um, who had gone missing um, in the 80s. Um, she, she agreed to, to work with this family, um, and I volunteered on that project as well. Um, and that was sort of the seed that really started the entire novel for me, um, just thinking about the, the space that that family was in, that they'd been in, um, and the, the work that they um, potentially did with a psychic to, to come to that place um, in, in the Milwaukee Poor Farm Cemetery to, to try to find her. Wow. So much of that is reflected in your book. And it's fascinating yeah. that your mother had that uh, particular profession and that yes. you got involved through your mother's profession. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I we my whole family was really um, around my parents work from a very young age. You know, we grew up on archaeological sites, so we were sort of always involved in their work in a very um, intimate way, I guess you would say. But um, and then as we got older, you know, some of us did field schools and we started learning um, how to do archaeology as well. And so we would we would work for them for, during the summers. Um, and as a writer, I mean, it was an amazing experience. All, all of the different projects I worked on were just amazing experiences. Um, and I've written a lot about archaeology. Um, I have a couple other short stories that are also um, feature archaeologists as the protagonists. Fascinating. Um... Let's see. Your story is set in Milwaukee in three different time periods, correct? As I recall. Uh, yeah, it's that, mostly mostly two. Yeah, mostly two. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's a focus on the Dahmer summer. And uh, correct. Yeah. So, um, what were your reasons for choosing that location in those times? Yeah, I mean, I'm from Milwaukee. My whole family is from there. Um, I have a pretty um, you know, loving, loving relationship with the city. And it's a city that I don't often see reflected in contemporary literature um, or, or anywhere else, even pop culture. You know, there's, there, there's a few things that, that showcase Wisconsin, but it's usually like Northwood stuff. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I, I wanted to, I, I knew I wanted to set my first book in Milwaukee um, since it was my hometown. And um, the way that the Dahmer material entered the book was, you know, because I was thinking a really thinking a lot about cold cases and why some cases become so um, intractably unsolved. Um, and I was thinking about the different reasons for these. And one of the things that occurred to me was that, you know, uh, you have resources, law enforcement resources, right? And sometimes, quote unquote, smaller cases get subsumed by these larger ones. Um, and when I was thinking about the history of Milwaukee, um, you know, one of the biggest cases in in the in the city's history was um, the the Dahmer crimes, right? And this sort of completely subsumed um, law enforcement, media, um, political, you know, people, everyone, right? So um, I thought it would be really interesting to try to juxtapose a made up um, crime with this this very real crime and sort of see what kinds of sparks and connections sort of happened in the um in that space yeah you do it very effectively um when you were writing uh each story time period did mm -hmm. you write them separately and then put them together or did you write each part sequentially and keep track of it on separate 
whatever. I did (laughs) whatever. It was a little bit of whatever. Yes. It was Uh definitely a little bit of whatever. Um, well, I, I did start by writing them separately, um, chronologically. So I did, well, yeah. So I did all of the early sections first. Um, and you know, I started in the, um, 91 and just wrote that section through, and then I wrote the second um, part, the 2019 section, chronologically from beginning to end. And the original shape of the book actually was a part one, part two, um, where those sections came one right after the other. Um, and I submitted that version to my agent and she just really wasn't sold on, on, on the structure. And so we talked about different ways of um, creating more tension, especially in that 2019 section. And it was her idea actually to try to weave weave the two together, um, which I was initially incredibly disappointed <laughs> and um, sort of, uh, you know, daunt- the, the task seemed very daunting um, to, to weave those two together. I mean, you're a writer, as you know, once you've written, there's there's so many small details that you then need to think about, like, have I introduced this person yet? Have I, what is the first detail, right? Um, so, yeah, but once I sat down and did it, I realized that it was it was really strengthening both sections to match them up like that. Um, and then from there, I sort of added in things that needed to be added in. And that's kind of where the whatever part came in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do. It's really a fabulous job, I thought, putting that all together. Uh, how much research did you do on for the book? And what was the process like? Um, I did a lot of research. I did a lot of very early research. Um, and then I did a lot of research that, you know, was a little bit more targeted and, and specific to what I needed in the moment when I was writing. But the first set, the first part was definitely just kind of deep dive into the basics of the Dahmer case. And I really wanted to know beyond just sort of the pop culture narrative, right? We all have kind of like the ideas of, uh, you know, what, what's portrayed in, in various movies, um, you know, whatever, what journalism, especially, but I was interested just to hear what the like nuts and bolts of the case was. Um, Cause especially I, you know, I was one at the time, so I didn't really have any experience of it. So I went about that in two ways. I did go back to a lot of the journalism, um, both like mainstream journalism, but then also some of the counterculture newspapers at the time. So mostly the gay newspapers that were reporting on it. Um, and then I also just talked to a lot of family and friends and was like, okay, so what was your, what was your experience with this? Um, and that part was really fun because in, in Milwaukee, even in Wisconsin in general, it feels like everyone has that one connection, you know, or one specific memory that they, that they have about the Dahmer case. Um, and that was really helpful. I think it added a lot of texture and specificity to, to the book to get those, um, those details from, from people that, you know, were, were there when it happened. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely lends it authenticity and makes you feel like, you know, you're part of that community for a moment in in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Um, so um, what was it like attending the Iowa Writers Workshop? And what was the biggest benefit <laughs> you got from it? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to say. I think, um, well, first of all, what what it was like, it was amazing. I, it was, you know, the best three years of my life, honestly. Um, I, you know, had unlimited time. Um, you know, we, we would just basically, we had one class a week. It was, I mean, you know, you would just wake up and, and write. And then at night it was like, talk to other writers. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was really amazing. Um, 
I went there uh, right out of undergrad, which was a little challenging, I think, because I hadn't really, I hadn't really stabilized into my voice, my style, even what I was interested in. Um, so I felt a little bit like untethered and there were a lot of people there that were already published and were, you know, had their books already, you know, and so it was intimidating, but, um, but it, but it was also really inspiring and it made me, you know, be, I could really see, okay, you can do this, you know, um, because I had all these examples of, of other young people that were doing it. Um, I think for me, the biggest benefits were the lifelong readers that I, you know, and friends that I made um, and people that I can still send my work to and that are also active, you know, writers in, in, in this time and space. And then um, I also found my agent there. So that was huge. Um, and they, they fly in agents and editors um, pretty frequently. I met with almost all of them. Um, and she was the only one that really like bit on on the this particular project. Um, and so we stayed in touch and we just kind of worked on it. Um, you know, she would she would check in, she'd be like, how's it going? And I'd be like, well, I'm in my I'm in my PhD. So, you know, it's not going great. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we stayed in touch. And then um, she, you know, basically helped me place a couple stories. And then um, we went out and then we went out with the book together. So. Wow, it sounds like it was an invaluable experience. Yes, absolutely. I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I mean, I know a lot of other people, um, you know, there, there's a lot of trash talking of Iowa, um, especially because it comes to like, you know, the pretentiousness and you have the whole sort of like MFA versus New York thing, right? And all of these arguments about whether or not it's it's worth it. Um, for me, it was absolutely worth it. Um, and, you know, I, there, there's competitiveness everywhere. That is part of the Iowa spirit. I won't deny it. Um, but I never felt like it was a uh, burden to to my writing or like it inhibited me in any way. That's good. That's great. Uh, do you think that there, that crime, what drew you to crime fiction, number one? And do you think that there's yeah. kind of a, a kind of a, uh, is it looked down on still in those mm. quarters? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think, um, I guess, I guess I didn't set out to write a crime book, which is kind of a weird thing to say, um, <laughs> given, given like, you know, what it became. Um, but, you know, I think as, like, as I, as I dug into the, the Dahmer stuff, and I think I started just spending more time in that true crime space, um, and, and also like learning about it as a genre. Um, but I don't know, it's hard because I think I I did a lot of that after I left Iowa. So I didn't really have like the voices of like, oh, you, you know, that that true kind genre stuff, you shouldn't be doing it, you shouldn't be, you know, I, I worked on the book a lot after I had left. Um, and for the most part, like the people I sent it to, you know, my Iowa friends were just like, you know, yep, you got a book, keep going, you know? So I don't think it was, um, I don't think it was looked down upon uh, while I was writing. Um, I don't know, how do you feel about sort of the general perception of, of crime fiction right now, or, or even of like the true crime genre? I think it's being taken more seriously than it was in the past. Mm, mm -hmm. I think there's yeah. definitely more of a trend toward crime writers trying to write up to a level, a certain level mm -hmm. of uh, 
complexity or mm -hmm. I guess uh, what's the word um sophistication yeah yeah and you know yeah. that's that's good I think I think it's good you know to freshen up the genre to to mm -hmm. just try different things to do things that are unusual and maybe a little bit more literary um, right 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 to me that's all to the good I mean anything mm -hmm. that makes a story readable and something you know you want to get into is good <laughs> in my opinion A absolutely yeah I mean I think that's what drew me to return to the original question I think that's what what drew me to the aspects of the genre I most enjoyed was just the the readability right that page turner quality where it's like those are my earliest reading experiences that I found so pleasurable you know where you're you're drawn into this story and you stay up really late and you can't put the book down you know and I think I wanted I in the early stages of the book I I did want to replicate those aspects of the genre because they're I mean they're just so pleasurable you know I mean it that that's that's the best reading experience you can have right so um yeah I definitely agree with you yeah for sure thanks <laughs> um <laughs> who are your favorite authors and what writing inspires you most um you know a lot of the people I worked with at Iowa I you know really inspired by Marilyn Robinson um she was a teacher of mine while I was there um and I thought her work is just so much about like honoring um individual consciousness you know and just recognizing that every human being is so complicated and has the you know these multitudes of motivations and I think that really um really improved me as a writer to begin to think about every person as like there's not just one reason behind every action right there's a whole complicated messy mind behind all of these different actions and I think if you can try to imbue that I mean her role was sort of like have seven um seven reasons for for a character to do any one thing right um which is really hard and it's not realistic <laughs> um unless you're Marilyn Robinson but but you know I think the point stands that it's like if you're if you're considering that and working in that space I think you're going to make really complicated interesting compelling fiction. Um, so yeah, her I really love Housekeeping is probably my favorite. Um, also really love Joy Williams. Um, I love her short fiction. I think she's, I think she's just so um, irreverent on the page. And I, I love that. Um, and I think I think I'm drawn to her work too, because she has a lot of protagonists that are like, you know, people are like, why are they so sad and, and depressing and all, you know, and, and I, I feel like a lot of people said that about my narrator too. Um, but, you know, and then they're just, and they're so inscrutable. They're always doing these things. I don't understand them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely am really drawn to her work. Um, I find myself like definitely it, like, especially leaving Iowa where I was just reading very widely, but I find myself reading like mostly women <laughs> these days like I don't even mean to but it just feels like that's what I end up um I just finished um Claire Keegan's uh, little novella Foster uh and was just like blown away by that but um yeah so I don't know I read I read a lot of women I would say with with messy female protagonists <laughs> I love messy female protagonists yeah me too <laughs> in, in any kind of setting I love them um what advice would you give to someone who'd like to write for a living oh <laughs> it's a tough one um I mean 
I think, I think it helps to have, I know this is sort of counter, but I think it helps to have like something else in your life. It doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a traditional like day job type of thing. But I think to have something else in your life that, you know, e even even as a hobby that gets you out of outside of the writing sphere and outside of your head um, is so helpful. I think, you know, when honestly, when I was like, um, sounds counterintuitive, but when I was working like um, serving jobs and, and in like wine shops and stuff, I felt like that was when I was most creative because I was I was really like physically like active and in like in during the day and then at night and you know any other time I had I felt like I could really just my mind was just like ready to go and um sometimes in grad school and stuff you feel like your your mind is like always on the thing and so then when you sit down to write it's like I I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't like flow as as much as I think it does when you are sort of like unconsciously working out problems in another area of your life um so I feel like that's my biggest advice would just be to have, you know, some, some, for some people it's like physical activity, like running or walking, these things that you can be moving and maybe working out problems in your head without just sitting there and looking at the screen or staring out the window, which is fine to do too. I've done plenty of those things too, but um, well, I'm, what's yours? I'm curious. Oh, walking is definitely a favorite for mine. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Um... I get lots of ideas for plot twists or just mm -hmm. ideas Same. in general, just walking <laughs> mm -hmm. or flipping through the paper. I I, I get the Sunday mm. paper. So I'm one of the few remaining people who get. Yes, I think print. you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I'm an old fashioned uh, weirdo. <laughs> I don't mind okay, being an old fashioned it. weirdo, but um, <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, what are you working on now? Um, well, I'm, you know, I've been sort of in the throes of, of first time full-time momming. So it's been a big transition sort of figuring out how to, how to write, um, after that, I, I was sort of thinking I would be, I was like, oh, I'll finish a project, you know, once he's six months and it kind of just keeps, you know, getting pushed back. Um, but I have I have three I have three different projects that I'm I'm sort of just dipping my toes into and and sort of um, you know exploring still in the very exploratory stages. Um, one is a, a historical fiction which is also set in Wisconsin, but it's uh, further north. Um, and then I have another one that's sort of also in like the true crime sort of um, true crime podcasty you know documentary space. Um, it's, it's a book, but it's sort of about that, that genre. Um, and then I, I don't know what, oh, and then the third one is like a, uh, it's a, it's a very autobiographical piece about a specific time in my life. Um, so those are the three that I'm sort of like, you know, throw, throwing the things at the wall and seeing which one is going to be the winner for the, for the next project. Wow. Well, very cool. <laughs> Glad to hear you're working on some interesting stuff there. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Um, I don't think so. I guess I would just like to say, um, yeah, I really appreciate you reading the book and taking the time um, to yeah think about it so closely and carefully. And um, I, it's always really reward. The most rewarding part about um, you know, putting the book out is always hearing from people that, that enjoyed it, which is, I guess is obvious, but 
but worth saying. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that feeling is just undeniable. I mean, when somebody says, I really mm -hmm. loved your book, it's just such a wonderful feeling. Truly. Um, well, I want to thank you for being here today with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. It was lovely. It was great to meet you. And uh, to everybody out there listening, remember, please, to leave a review if you enjoyed the episode. And you can get, <clears throat> excuse me, bonus episodes and ad-free con content and more if you become a Patreon supporter. So check out our Patreon page. Um, coming up in two weeks, we'll have Sarah Lynn Richard as my guest. In the meantime, take care and happy reading. <laughs>